You are listening to highlights from the Creative Process interview with Paul Astor. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. So I guess starting with um, 4321 is like the culmination of lifetime of work. Could you speak about that, please? So as the book, the book is structured in the following way. It's the story of one person's early life from birth to um, early 20s. And there are four parallel versions of that life. And the chapters are set up in, in, in a kind of rotation. So we have uh, chapter headings, such as 1.1, and then the next chapter would be 1.2, and that would be the second version of my character, 1.3, and then 1.4, and then it turns over again. And then it's 2.1, 2.2, etc., all the way through seven cycles. And that's how the book is structured. So in effect, you're reading four stories simultaneously or in rotation. And um, I, I suppose it can be destabilizing for some readers but I, I feel that once you get the hang of it, it's, it's not very difficult at all to, to follow because um, the chapters are fairly long, I have roughly 40 or 50 pages of fairly small prints so that uh, you're really uh, inside the, the narrative and then something happens, that chapter ends and then Boom, you go back to someone you've already encountered before. It, it's really not very difficult. No, I, it's very interesting. And I, I think about also some of your other um, early uh, careers. Uh, I think you were on, if you want to speak about those, the jobs you had before you became a writer. Oh, well, I did a lot of <laughs> jobs uh, when I was young. I, I discovered very early that I had no interest in white-collar office jobs. I didn't want to be stuck behind a desk. So I tended to do uh, blue-collar manual jobs, and I, 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 I rather enjoyed them, I have to say. You know, I was young, I was very strong and fit, and uh, so lifting things and hauling things uh, wasn't difficult. And um, I felt that Traveling in that world of people who, mostly men, but not always, mostly men, without college educations, people who didn't read books, people who were not at all like me, uh, was very helpful to, to help me get a feel for, you know, the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be with people just like myself, uh, which is what tends to happen if you're in a university or in an office, but this was a challenge, and uh, the, I suppose the, the most interesting job I had was when I worked as a merchant seaman uh, on a what was then Esso, Esso, the oil company, and Esso oil tanker, and I did that for about six months, and uh, there I was with a pretty rough crowd of guys, and uh, I had to figure out a way to hold my own in that, in that world, and I managed to do it. And um, so there's some satisfaction in that. And I think back at the, about those people often mm -hmm. and people I ran into 
uh, in, in many different jobs. And uh, I think the only time I've ever written about any of those people is in Handsome Mouth, that early uh, uh, autobiographical book, which is about uh, not having any money mm-hmm. and how to survive. Because the subtitle of Handsome Mouth is A Chronicle of Early Failure. And um, so I go through some of the some of the some of the work I did and some of the people I met along the way who tended to be fascinating. The, the important thing is this. Um, uh, you're writing not for yourself. You're mm-hmm. addressing another person or yeah. many other people. I suppose instinctively you, you know as a writer of prose fiction, of narrative, that you have to hold the reader's attention because the reader can vote very easily with his or her hands by slamming the book shut and putting it away and never picking it up again. And I suppose your job as a writer is to sustain interest so that people will not shut the book and and stop reading. I'm not talking about tricks and thrills and all kinds of exciting things, but a certain kind of conviction or tone or urgency in the writing that makes it something that uh, you get absorbed in mm. and don't want to leave. And that, that really is what all fiction writers are striving for, whether they're conscious of this or not. I mean, it's not that you're thinking about the audience because you have no idea who's going to be reading it. Uh, but you know there is somebody, if only one person, that you're in communication with and I think this is the great force of reading novels for the reader now, as much as for the writer, is that it is a collaboration between two people, the writer and the reader, and together they are making the book. Uh, because each reader comes to a book with a different life, a different past, different memories, different experiences, and will interpret that book in his or her particular way. Mm-hmm. And so every book is read by different readers, so it's a different book mm-hmm. in, in, in a sense. I think uh, being a parent, especially in those early years of, of, of the child's life, it takes you back to your own childhood. You start to remember things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's very interesting. Things that you'd forgotten, um, and there, there, they're coming out. Your 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 daughter or your son does something, and it, it can trigger off a little mental journey into into a place where you hadn't visited for years. So that's that's very fascinating. I think too, um, at least in my case, I, I felt when I became a parent, I was thirty. Suddenly, you find yourself in a different position to your own life than you've been before. And you see yourself not just as your parent's child, but as the parent of another child. And suddenly, you're part of a process of the generations rolling along, one succeeding another. And you, you I think, get a deeper sense of your own lack of permanence Mm. that your life is going to end at some point and your children will continue 
perhaps they will have children of their own who in turn will have their children and on and on it goes and I think this feeling of the continuity of the generations is at least in my case it it made me want to tell stories rather than just write poems which are songs so to speak so from making songs to telling stories and somehow and I don't understand it fully uh, becoming a parent seems to be wrapped up in that as well. I wanted to talk about some of your collaborations you were talking about writing music and of course your writings and you've directed films based on your writing and your film uh, your writings have been inducted into films. Uh, what do you get from that process? Oh I like collaborating with people. I mm-hmm. find it very enjoyable. At various times, uh, people have taken my work and used it for other works. For example, a theater adaptation of a novel. Or someone has turned one of my books a long time ago into a very little opera. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there have been dance pieces based on uh, my work. There was um, a ballet based on one of my novels. I find that so interesting that one form can inspire someone working on another form to do something. But my actual own collaboration with people, I suppose, um, well, writing the few songs that I've written, I mean, we're talking only about a handful. It's Mm -hmm. not something I've uh, made a practice of. But the few times I did do it, I I enjoyed listening to the results. And the, the heaviest collaboration I've done, of course, is in movies. And that is a it's a, it's, a, it's a very exhausting experience to direct film, I can tell you, but it's also uh, a very satisfying one. And I, I loved the camaraderie of all the people on the crew and the actors, and every stage of making a movie is fascinating. And uh, I'm glad I had the chance to do this a few times. Mm-hmm. I think it taught me a lot about, um, about myself and about other people. Very important experiences, really. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.